everybody. This is Crystal. And this is Kat. Welcome back to Alternative Interest. Yay. I always say yay. Did you notice that? <laughs> you know what's, <laughs> what Elle used to say yay all the time too. So, so you're used you know, to it? We are, we're glad that you're here. <laughs> and actually, because we have gotten some new listeners lately, welcome to all of our new listeners. Yes. We're glad you're welcome. here. I know that you're here for Kat. Thanks for listening to me. <laughs> Not all of them. <laughs> like there's like one person and I'm sure it's my husband. He's here for me. <laughs> all right. Well, um, as usual, I really don't have much business going on right now, but we can go right into our story. And I think this story is not that well known. I, I, um, I'm looking at the name right now and I've never heard of it. Yeah, so I am going to tell the story of Joyce Goodner. I will, at the end of the story, I'll actually say how I found this. Okay. Because most people probably don't know this by her name. They probably know it by her murderer's name. Oh, all right. But I really try and focus on the victims because murderers don't really deserve to have the notoriety. No. But victims should always be remembered. Exactly. But sometimes that's so hard when, you know, when you're telling a story because it's like. Especially like serial killers. It's really hard. Yeah. Sometimes. Especially going into their history and, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't know. No, totally get it. So we are going back to July 5th, 1995. Mm -hmm. About 1110 to 1115 a.m. A man named James Royce Mothers the Third, which is that's his a real name, James, James Royce, Royce Mothers, Mothers the Third. What am I? What's another Smothers I'm thinking about that's well known? Oh, you know what I'm thinking of, and I don't even like this show, The Simpsons. Isn't like the boss named Smithers? Smithers. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I love the Simpsons. Wow, James Royce Mothers the Third. Okay, I'm intrigued. Yes. Go on. So this man and his 16-year-old stepson were driving toward Nashville when they noticed some smoke coming from an abandoned house. Mm -hmm. Uh, The address of this house was 4522 Ashland City Highway. Okay. I Google mapped it because I know nothing about Nashville. This is about 15 minutes northeast of City Center. Okay. And... It'll, I'll bring it up again later because the geography of this actually does matter. Sometimes it doesn't. This time it really does. Okay. So this guy and his son are ridiculously good humans, arguably way better than (laughs) I am because they stopped to check things out. You wouldn't have stopped to check out smoke coming. Well, actually, hold on. A random burning build, like an abandoned burning building. No, well, it depends. I don't want to die. Today. Is it is a uh, see? It'll depend for me if like flames are coming out and I would assume police are there. If if firefighters are there and flames are coming out, I would just like drive by and wave. But if there was like smoke and no one was there yet. Oh, it depends on where I had to be. I don't know. An abandoned building? I don't know. I would I would call, but I would not go investigate. Oh, like, so they got out of the car? They got out of their car. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So they actually parked kind of near the highway and they walked up to the house. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that they noticed was that there were no cars parked around the house. So, I mean, this is truly an abandoned building. Okay. 
Okay, but you're saying building, and every time you say building, I'm thinking of like a business building, but this is a house, right? I think so, and it's abandoned. Okay. Like, very clearly abandoned. Okay, and they're just, they saw smoke, and so now they're just good citizens. And they're walking up to the house. It's this guy with his 16-year-old son. You would think he would have a better self-preservation instinct, but apparently he didn't. Maybe they were bored. I don't know. So... They entered the house through an empty window, like the window was broken and there was like no glass left in the pane. Hold- so like they they climbed in through a window. They climbed in through the window of a smoking abandoned house. The, the, so the first thing they noticed when they get inside the house because this window is busted out and they just kind of help themselves inside. So weird. I feel, so so weird. Again, like if I walk up to a house and say I'm feeling like particularly nice because this does happen to me. I have this <laughs> uncontrollable urge to help. You have moments where your heart shines through. <laughs> well, so... I have a very high self-preservation instinct <laughs> and I have to constantly check myself that I'm like, no, don't pick up that hitchhiker. They will stab you. No, don't give that person money. No, don't meet that person for like, I have to constantly censor myself. Like I cannot tell you I'm, I'm in multiple buy nothing groups on Facebook. Oh, yeah. and I cannot tell you how many times people are like, I need this. And I'm like, I'm like typing out, I will get one for, and I'm like, nope. no, I won't. No, I won't. Because you're going to kill me. (laughs) Yep. And I'm like, not today, Satan. I'm staying home. (laughs) So the fact that they walked, (laughs) climbed in through a window is still astonishing to me. Yeah, that's a little insane because I think a first, uh, I think a arguably better first response would have been to stop and look with your eyes and call 911. And that's it. Yeah. No, these, I mean, maybe they're just nosy bitches. I'm a nosy yeah. bitch. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I can but see you it. call 911, though. I don't get climbing through a window. After you fulfill the nosiness. I, I guess, you, but you, you know it's abandoned. You know it's abandoned. You don't need the cops coming in and ruining your fun when you're getting <laughs> your sleuth on. Okay. Oh, man. Go on. So, uh, they uh, first thing they notice is that there's a lot of smoke in the house. Okay. Obviously, if it's coming out of the house, it is filling the house. I don't know why that had to be said, but it did. It was in the official um, record that I got this from. And so they're kind of like feeling around and they find uh, what looks like a pile of rugs that is smoldering, burning. I don't think they were like full out flames, but like it was the source of the smoke. So the two of them find an old mattress and they were about to just like slap it on top to like smother try and extinguish yeah, the fires, yeah. which they stopped before they could. And I'm very grateful that they stopped before they could because aren't mattresses like ridiculously flammable? Are they? I think they are. Why would you make a flammable mattress? Like why, why mean, would they be? Just, I mean, because like people mattresses are next to like heat sources a lot aren't they i mean maybe maybe i'm just thinking wrong but i swear i I thought the material on them was like super flammable for some reason maybe i'm wrong they stopped before they could flop this mattress on top of the smolders because they saw human legs and a hand sticking out of the okay that's when i'm leaving and (laughs) calling the police 
because okay so you're on the same good, page they thank are because goodness. that's what they did they finally they were done being nosy they reached like the the cusp of how much they could handle and they noped oh, out oh well thank Smart goodness guys. okay so that 911 call was made at about 11:33 a.m. so the whole process of them like oh. Driving by, seeing the fire. It's only about 15, 20 uh, minutes. Really not that long. No, not that long, but still too long. For a fire, yeah. Well, and to, for I'm still stuck on the fact that these two went in there. But, oh, well, it happened. Yeah. So. so about noon, the Metro Nashville Police Department dispatched a crime scene investigator and two officers to begin processing the scene. So, again, like. That's a half hour after the call was made. Oh, wow. I don't know if, like, police, like, the fire department came and responded faster. I don't... I hope they did. Yeah. But they showed up, and they determined that the victim was a female, and her body was rolled up in the rugs that James and his son had found burning so she couldn't have been there burning very long and she couldn't have been there burning very long if they were if they still if like her leg was intact right or because yeah well that it it it's a lot of heat needed to burn yeah yeah okay um, along with her body there was actually a blood-stained cinder block lying on her head mm. oh no so that's i mean it it seems kind of straightforward yeah it was also determined that her body and the rug had been doused in some kind of accelerant. Okay. So, I mean, it, somebody obviously was trying to destroy evidence Well, here. yeah. And by putting her in an abandoned house, rolling her up yes. in a carpet. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, there was also blood splattered all over the wall near the, like, the wall that was closest to the mm. body. And there was extensive fire damage to the rest of the room. Okay. There's not I didn't get to see a fire report about mm-hmm. this. I kind of get the feeling that this person just like splattered accelerant all over and then tried to like light multiple. That's just my assumption. Okay. Cuz if they're trying to destroy evidence like you're not going to oh, so light a single batch they, and walk away. They dropped they had to have dropped the cinder block obviously like to kill her and then use the accelerant set everything on fire. Right? It essentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, testing on, of the blood on the cinder block revealed a partial DNA profile that matched the victim's DNA. Okay. So, so far, this whole thing is going pretty like bam, 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 yeah. really easy. Mm-hmm. So, moving on to the autopsy, she had a series of blunt force injuries to the head. Okay. The doctor that did the autopsy noted that a brick. Or a block could have caused these injuries. So consistent. Yeah, with the cinder block that was found yeah. with her. So, I mean, all of this is adding up. There's nothing in here that's like a what? Yeah. The doctor said that these injuries would have caused bleeding on the brain and eventually would have been fatal. So it's not that it's something that she would have died from immediately, oh. but the bleeding on the brain eventually would have killed you her. You don't die from a cinder block to your head immediately? I hope I Apparently. would. Jeez. You need calcium. Yeah, gosh. She also had two stab wounds to the left side of her neck. Again, these bled significantly and eventually would have been fatal. That's the terminology they use on 
the autopsy. She didn't die immediately, but eventually they would have been fatal. Okay. She also had cocaine in her system. Hmm. And the toxicology report noted that no carbon monoxide was actually in her blood, which meant that she was already dead when the fire. So she wasn't breathing it in because she wasn't breathing anymore. Okay. Correct. Uh, They also said that there is no semen in or on her body, Mm -hmm. but that didn't necessarily mean that there was no sexual assault. Okay. Yeah. I think I don't think we've ever gone like extensively into like verbiage on autopsies on this show before. Mm-hmm. But there are two things that they always note in an autopsy and that is the cause of death and the manner of death and they are not the same thing. Oh, I didn't know that. So the cause of death is like what injuries led to the death. Okay. And the manner of death is the circumstances around that. So in this case, her cause of death was the blunt force trauma and the stab wounds. Her manner of death was homicide. Oh, all right. Interesting. Which I think is interesting. I don't know if people are like rolling their eyes at me and telling me to move on, but I I thought that was interesting. You're all who matters. (laughs) I'm talking to you. Exactly. (laughs) The same day her body was found, they got two investigators working on things right away. Like most of my information for this comes from the appeals paperwork that came from the trial and the conviction that comes way later in the story. Uh huh. So they don't have a super specific timeline. At some point, they identified the woman, the victim, as Joyce Goodner. Oh, I wonder how they were able to. I mean, I know there's way like fingerprints. I think the and, DNA testing yeah, must have brought uh-huh. something up. Uh-huh. But anyway, they knew who she was at this point. Okay. So, of course, their first stop is to talk to Joyce's boyfriend. It That's makes sense. Always the closest ones to the victim. Yep. Are always... And you work your way out. Yep. So, Joyce's boyfriend was named Luther Wynn. Mm. Luther said the last time he had seen Joyce was at 2 a.m. like that morning before he left for work. So police, of course, they check his alibi because that's like the most common alibi ever. Is that yeah, I was working. I was working. Yeah. He actually was working. He okay. was working from 3.30 a.m. until 12.30 p.m. Oh, tough day. Okay. Also, right. I mean, he was busy yeah. when her murder happened and when the yeah. fire was set. Yeah. So Luther told them that he thought a man named James Washington may have seen Joyce on the day she died. So, you know, officers move on. They're like, okay, let's take a look at this guy. They check James's work schedule and they find out that James did not show up for work on the third, fourth or fifth. Oh, this guy that she was supposedly with that Luther knew she was with. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty suspicious. Yeah. That he, he was scheduled to work. It's not that he had days off. It's he was supposed to work and he he just didn't show up. Okay. Was there a reason he didn't show? Did it say? They get a statement from him later and he kind of goes into it. Okay. Okay. So on July 6th, so the next day, like the day after her body was found, Mm -hmm. a woman named Lisa Cowell contacted police when she heard about the murder. Okay. She said that on July 5th, the day that Joyce was found, she had been driving that exact same road at 1030 a.m. And she had seen a dirty black Camaro in the driveway of the abandoned house. 
So, so this was the day of the murder. Yes. And so this was before Mr. Smothers and his 16-year-old got there. Yes. Okay. By by only about 40 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. not long before. Okay. So she said she didn't see the license plate number, but she said she could see like the silhouette of a person inside the house. Mm-hmm. And she said that she assumed it was a man because of like the height and the build and just the way the silhouette looked. Yeah. She drove by again at 11 a.m. and the car was gone. So why'd she drive by again? I think it's it. This area, I think, must just be like oh, a well-traveled like, yeah. area. She's running errands, so running doing errands. things. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, things are moving really quickly here. Yeah. We're getting a lot of good information. Yeah. Stuff's pointing at James. Yeah. So they go and they talk to James's girlfriend on the 10th. His girlfriend said that they had been living together for about two and a half years at this point. She said that on July 5th, he left for work at 6.30 a.m. No, he didn't. When he came home, he told her that he had left work around noon. She didn't hmm. give a time that he came home. So yeah. I'm not sure what time that was. Okay. So she claimed that three days later, so the 8th, she told him to get out of her house. Like She kicked him out because I guess he was involved with drugs in some manner and so she was well also like, he, he's lying about going to work so yeah kick him out yeah Which i guess she didn't know. he didn't go yeah, to work that day exactly. don't know what he's talking about yeah so at that point he moved out and he went to go live with his mother i bet she was thrilled well i'm i'm thinking i mean this girlfriend i feel like maybe she suspected something was going on with him because the timing of this is just too convenient well yeah for her to kick him out on the 8th and this happened on the 5th? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole timeline is just weird. So the girlfriend also verified that he did drive a black and gray Chevy Camaro. Interesting. She said that it was actually James's brother's car. Okay. And he was, he had this weird agreement with his brother that he was borrowing it with the intention of purchasing it, which okay. seems weird to me. Okay. Yeah. That is, but like odd. I mean, family. Sometimes you do that, like promise to pay between each other. I'm not sure. Regardless of what the deal was, it fell apart because on July 10th, James's brother repossessed his car. Just like took the car back, or had it? Repossessed? Yeah, he just he t- he took it back from okay. his car. Okay, his brother. his brother. Yeah. So I mean, again, this is st- like really weird timing yeah. here. It is. Yeah. So July 10th, kind of a busy day for police because they talked to the girlfriend, but then they also talked to James. Okay. James showed up at the police headquarters for an interview and he gave a written statement. Okay. I'm going to read this as best I can because honestly, there's a lot of spelling mistakes and the grammar's weird, but I'm going to do my best. Okay. Go for it. So he says, I got up about 5 a.m. I got ready to go to work, finished about 545 left for work about 6.05. So right away we're noticing, the girlfriend said he left at 6.30. Yeah. He's saying he left at 6.05. Honestly, I don't find this super weird because, I mean, I'm asleep when 
Taryn leaves the house pretty well, yeah. often. I couldn't tell you a time. And that's leaves. only like, unless she was doing something specific, that's only a few minutes, like 25 minutes yeah. difference. And I yeah. always have thought like, how do they, how can they know for sure someone looked at the clock or, you know? So anyways, yeah. go on. I mean, I'm one of those people that I'm a clock watcher. So oh. I'm like, this happened at 6.02 in 58 <laughs> seconds. Like, that's just who I am as a person. But yeah. I know not everyone and a lot of people around like my mother my mom will say oh it's nine o'clock and it's like 8 40 and you're like mom <laughs> what <laughs> so, she likes to round up there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> round way <laughs> I don't know man so moving on with his statement he said noticed it might rain went to southern hills where we were working it was spot raining along the way I reached work about 6.28 a.m. and decided not to work that day because it started raining harder. Oh, okay. So that's his excuse for not raining. He must do some kind of outdoor construction. work. I'm guessing construction or something. Yeah, yeah, something outside. Yeah. So he says, I sat in the parking lot for about 10 minutes and left. Okay. I went to 10th Avenue North. It took me 45 minutes to get there, traveling down... Nolansville Road. When I got there, a girl named Lucy and I smoked some Ready Rock for about 35 minutes. Ready Rock? What's that? Crack? I think it's some kind of cocaine. Oh. He references Ready Rock a few times. Ready Rock? I guess you're... Yeah, and it's, it's capitalized. It's like capital R, capital R, Ready Rock. Oh my gosh, if they like could commercialize that on TV, it would be like, we're ready to rock with Ready Rock. I don't know. You know, I'm pretty sure some drug dealer <laughs> named it that, honestly. <laughs> Are you ready to rock? Are you ready, ready to, to rock? Because I've got some yeah. Ready Rock for you. <laughs> yeah. So he said, I left and went over to Red's house. Along the way, I ran out of gas, so I walked to Lala's house He's got and some asked good her, friends. did she have a gas can and loan me a few dollars? Okay. So the sergeant actually clarified in a footnote here that Lala is a woman named Bernice Riley. How do you, how do you they get never, <laughs> But they never like specify who's Lucy, who's Red, just Lala. I don't know. Well, you know what's sad is I want to know how Bernice got the nickname Lala. Like, did they ask that? Because if I was the sergeant, I would be like, so this Lala, her name's Bernice, right? How'd she get the <laughs> she get the name? I'm nosy like that because I was like Bernice Lala. Okay, Lala said she didn't have either. She didn't have money or a gas can, so I walked and found a can and got two dollars worth of gas. I guess it was somewhere around nine a.m. or so. I drove back to Tenth Avenue North and then I saw Joyce come out of Henry's house. There's a lot of names yes. here. Yes. This sounds very like high school. Like I saw Stacy talking to Billy and Billy went and talked to Jamie and like he's a little he's busy during his days. He, he chooses busy. not to work. Right. Smoke some ready rock. I mean, well, you know what? Think about that. He did have some ready rock, so this guy is like all over the place right oh, now. Oh yeah. He's like amped. <laughs> He's about to have some more. Uh oh. So Joyce came out of Henry's house. She said, Are you doing anything? I said, Yes. I, I don't know what that means because he's not working and he's probably still high. <laughs> he's um, like, Yeah, I'm looking for a gas can. 
Well, no, he already found the gas can oh, and has $2 worth of gas. <laughs> and some ready rock. And $2 okay. worth of gas in 95. That was a lot of gas. Yeah. Yeah. He's ready to rock. <laughs> He's getting ready. So at this point, he had about a 20 cent piece of ready rock left. Okay. He gave her half for quote unquote sex. It's actually like his handwritten statement. It is quote unquote sex. <laughs> And I smoked the rest. So he just had another 10 cent piece of Ready Rock. Oh, I don't know how just, much that is. That just sounds like such a sad afternoon. I don't know. Oh, it's, no, and it's he's, still morning. He still has a girlfriend, too, at this time. Yeah. Well, this is no, why. This is 9 a.m. <laughs> it's not even afternoon <laughs> yet. Oh, our friend I is mean, busy. Man, this guy's not working and he still gets more done before 9 a.m. than I do. Exactly. Holy cow, this guy needs to calm down. <laughs> oh man, or give me some of his give me some of that ready rock. rock. <laughs> Would have finished my bachelor's degree years ago. Exactly. <laughs> All right. He said we had sex in an alley off 10th Avenue. Romantic. I, uh, well, <laughs> I drove back down to Henry's house. Joyce got out and said she would be back in about 30 minutes. I okay. waited at Henry's house. She said someone was going to pay for her washing clothes. Ugh. I don't know if this means that like she was she had like a side job where she was doing like a maid service or laundry or if somebody was going to pay for her to do her own laundry or what. Yeah. Hmm. Um, she didn't come back for almost an hour. I waited for about 45 minutes. I left and went home. So right here, I just want to comment that this is 1995 not many people had cell phones in 95 it was was a pager time yeah pagers pagers back in the 90s yes yes so i want to know how he knows if he only waited 45 minutes and left i want to know how he knows that she came back after an hour yeah that's interesting that that seems weird to me yeah so i left and went home Lucy was on the wall when I left. I waved and went home. I don't know what that means. Oh, like maybe there was, this is what I'm picturing right when he said that is like on maybe the, wherever they were, a cinder block, you know. Oh, that would make sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Oh, you just connected a dot that I didn't know existed. Look at us solving crimes. (laughs) In 95. Oh, okay. Um, Lucy was on the wall when I went home. I waved and went home. I told Henry to tell Joyce I would see her later. Went home, showered, looked at TV, ate, and went to sleep. So, like, the beginning of his day is, like, jam-packed up until about, like, 10 a.m., it looks like. Well, yeah, and now he's tired. Yeah, and that from like 10 a.m. to we'll say 9 p.m. Yeah. He showered, watched TV, ate, and went to sleep. Didn't he tell his girlfriend he got home at noon, right? He said he left work at noon. So okay. that actually gives us a good timeline, too. So maybe he got, it took him about, it took him less than a half hour to get to his job site. Okay. But we could say maybe he got home by 1230 yeah. that day. Yeah, okay. So that that was his statement from the day. I know that that was choppy and it sounds a lot like of a day. Yeah. 
It w- that's a lot. <laughs> I think I've mentioned before, I don't really like running errands. Like, that's a lot of stops for me. A good thing this guy didn't work because that would have added a whole nother aspect yeah. to his day. Holy cow. Yeah. So the officer that took his statement noted he did not appear intoxicated and he didn't give any kind of indication he had some kind of mental deficiency when he gave his written statement. So okay. this statement was written with town mind. The officer also mentioned that it should not have taken 45 minutes for James to go from Southern Hills to North Nashville, the road that he said he went. Because remember, I mean, this was a while ago. It was such a blip. He said that he went, He was at Southern Hills, and that's where his work site was supposed to be. Okay. And then he drove to 10th Avenue North via Nolensville Road. Okay. He said this took him 45 minutes. I Google mapped this. It's only 25. Oh, really? So, yeah. So the, the officer kind of made that point, too. They're like, it should not have taken 45 minutes. Huh. If anyone knows more about, like, Nashville geography, please tell me if I'm wrong. Because, I mean, cities change. So I could be google mapping something that's not quite right but based on google maps this area that he said he was in is in the southeast end of nashville city center okay so joyce was found northeast of city center and james is claiming he was southeast of city center so and he's saying it he's saying it took 45 minutes but they're saying there's no way Southern Hills is really close to city center, I think. I don't have my map pulled up. But wherever he said he was is like 15 minutes southeast of city center. And his car was sighted 15 minutes northeast of city center. Oh, okay. That already is like, dude, you're trying to say you're about a half hour away from where you actually were. Yeah. On July 24th, so this it's a lot happened in the first like five days and then things slowed down. Okay. So on July 24th, one of the investigators showed Lisa, that woman who said she drove by and saw the Camaro outside. Oh, okay. They showed her photos of James Washington's actual Camaro. Mm-hmm. And she said that the photos were consistent with what she'd seen outside the abandoned house. She couldn't say that it was exactly the car. Yeah. But when she looked at it, she's like, yeah, that's that looks like what I saw. I'm surprised she didn't get plates when she because she said she drove by twice. That's something I always try to look at, by the way, is license plates. Because I'm always (laughs) I'm always thinking someone's going to like if something happens, I need. So I always memorize the first three letters, which will probably never help a police officer at all. But um, it gets you close. It gets you know, the make model. color Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, she was driving by. So um, I can understand why she might not see it because it's like off. I got the feeling that like. When James Smothers and his son, like that whole information, they parked on the like near the road and then walked to the house. Mm -hmm. I kind of get the feeling that it was like down a little bit of a driveway. Okay, so like you're driving by and you can see that there's a car, but you probably can't. Can't, You're not close enough. Yeah, makes sense. So police at this point, they're like, okay, we have enough to search james's car so they actually searched the abandoned house because they had already processed the crime scene okay and they searched james vehicle this camaro technically his brother's vehicle but 
James driving it at the time. And they were not able to find anything that tied James to the crime scene or the murder in any way. Oh, wow. Yeah, they found nothing. That's surprising. Basically, at this point, the case just goes cold. Yeah. Like, they had no new leads. There's no further developments. No one had any more information. There was no physical evidence no. tying James to this area. So, so at this it's point, the, done. Yeah. I mean, the police are like, man, we know this guy did it, but we can't prove it. That must be so frustrating as a police yeah. officer or detective. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And it, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And their hands are tied. They can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Law is law. And and it's not so much that law is law. It's that it, a district attorney yeah. won't bring charges against someone if unless you don't they have think that it's going to get a conviction. Strong evidence. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're they're stuck. Yeah. So this case stays cold until March of 2009. Wow. So we're talking 14 years later. Okay. So James Washington was incarcerated at Turney Center, mm-hmm. which is a, um, a correction center about an hour and a half outside of Nashville. I don't know what his offense was. I actually looked online to see if I could see it mm-hmm. because it's a prior offense and he has finished serving his time for that. It actually doesn't show up on his records anymore. Oh, okay. Not public anyway. I could have paid $5 to see his entire record, yeah. but I don't care that much. Well, and so this just proves that James wasn't living the straight and narrow. Is it straight and arrow or straight and narrow? Narrow. Oh. Straight and narrow. Straight and arrow. <laughs> And saying it wrong like for my whole life <laughs> so i i kind of get the feeling that um this may have been a drug offense just because i mean well his girlfriend kicked him out for being involved with drugs he smoked ready rock with two different people that yeah. day and he was like very open about it yeah it it wouldn't surprise me i i don't want to assume offense. but yes i think it was a drug offense probably yeah. most likely So on March 3rd of 2009, James actually reported that he thought he was having seizures. Oh. So he got transported to the hospital. Okay. And I have to note that it, in order for an inmate to be transferred out of a prison to a public hospital is a big deal. Well, yeah, they're not just going to do that. Yeah, there's got to be something serious going on. Okay. So the officers escorting him... Noted that at the time during his transport, he did not appear to be in medical distress. He didn't yell or scream or do any other kind of outburst. Okay. So I'm not a doctor, but seizures sound like medical distress to me. Well, yeah, but are they seeing him having the seizures or is he just reporting reporting them? I'm not. How do you? How do you know you have a seizure? How do you know you have I feel a seizure? Like you know, in the I, aftermath. I mean, I I guess I I don't know. You'll find this whole thing is just very weird. I don't know. Well, I, I guess I've never had a seizure then, because I I don't know. I mean, seizures are serious. Yeah. You no. Know. Well, I know I would know. I've I've been around people who have had them, but. I just don't see, this is what I'm saying. I don't see how a prisoner could say, or someone who's incarcerated, I'm having seizures. I would think they would wait 
to see something like that happening before they took the step to then take them to an outside hospital. True, but at the same time, there's inmates, and I've said this a few times, Mm -hmm. um, inmates are humans. Humans still have constitutional rights. I know. And one of the rights that prisoners have is an expectation of care. Okay. And so when someone is reporting something as serious as seizures, I I feel like they have a responsibility to respond to that. I guess. I just feel... I would want to see proof of it. I guess I'm a horrible, I'd be a horrible person. Let's not make you a corrections officer. <laughs> exactly. They're going to be like, don't go to that one. Don't, she will not buy anything you say. Seizures. Not like the nurse ratchet yeah, ex- corrections ex- officers exactly, over here. Exactly. Oh, seizures, huh? Okay. <laughs> go back okay. to yourself. <laughs> I don't see any frothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So they assigned him a room at the hospital and he gestured for the, so there were two officers that were escorting him. One was an officer and the other was a corporal. So like a lower level and an upper level like officer. Okay. So he gestured for the officer like that was in the room with him. He was like, Hey, come here, come here. And he said, this his quote is, I've got something to tell you need to get off my conscience. I have killed someone. Oh, and the officer says that the, the officer, his exact words are, well, okay, you did. But like the way this read to me was uh-huh. like, yeah, sure you did, buddy. And like <laughs> a pat on the head, like, sure you killed someone. Oh, like, like he's just delirious and saying things yeah. to say it. Yeah. James is like adamant. He was like, no, I, I beat this woman to death. And so the officer now is taking him seriously. Okay. So he's like, yep give me a second and he pokes his head out the door to the corporal and he's like corporal you you need to get in here just please so the corporal comes in and he's like james wants to talk to you yeah so james says he needs to confess to something and the corporal says you need to confess for what yeah what you're in for yeah and so this makes me feel like james pled not guilty originally to whatever offense he was in oh okay yeah so james says no sir i want to confess about killing a girl the corporal was like you did and james is like yes sir i feel i need to confess oh so the corporal was like you're you're confessing to to what who like who was she yeah and James is like Joyce somebody. Oh. So the corporal, his name was Carrie. So Corporal Carrie said that the appellant said the victim's last name was good something. He's like, I I killed this woman named Joyce Goodner or Goodman or something like that. And it was around Ashland City and it was sometime around like 1991. Oh. So this guy, he's giving them a lot of details. He is. One of the points that the petition papers made note of is that neither of the officers knew if James had received medication at this point, but they both said he seemed very calm. He didn't seem to be, again, didn't seem to be in any distress and didn't seem to be having any hallucinations. The hallucinations thing is important because of something that gets brought up in the trial later. Okay. So the corporal said that he guessed that, you know, James probably thought he was really sick, thought he was dying and he just needed to clear his conscience. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's what this sounds like to me. Exactly. One of the articles I read, I mean, 
like I said, about 90% of my information came from this appeals paperwork. Uh Uh-huh. But there were a couple supplemental articles that I found and used. Okay. One of them said that they thought James thought the statute of limitations was up. And that's why he was saying. Oh, yeah. Because you know what? I was thinking just right now, and this shows you how horrible of a person I am. I'm like, I'm going to... If I'm going to confess to something, I better know that I'm going to die, right? Right. Like in a couple of minutes or you're right, the statute of limitations. If I'm like, oh, well, they can't charge me. It's been 10 years, right? Yeah. So. But there's no statute of limitations on murder. Oh, there isn't? No. Oh. I thought there was a grandfather what, what? I don't think so. Huh. Oh, you know what? That is actually something yeah. I came up with. Um, it used to exist in a few states. Tennessee was actually one that of them. That is right. Yes. But it was overturned. There was a statute of limitations on murder in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It was overturned in the 2000s. And the fact that James confessed after it was overturned means that he is not grandfathered in. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to the trial. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, this guy confessed to murder. They're taking him to trial. And they thought it was him all along. Yeah. So it was really easy for them to be like, oh, this guy confessed to the thing we thought he did. Awesome. Yeah. So they put together a trial real quick. Mm -hmm. Dr. Otis Campbell was the medical director at the correction center where James was incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So he was pretty familiar with James. And... Dr. Campbell was familiar with all the medications that James was taking. Okay. So he said that when James came to him on March 3rd and reported having seizures, he seemed lethargic and a little drowsy, but he didn't seem to be having any hallucinations. So the thing about James not hallucinating has now come up twice. Okay. And this was when the officers brought him to the hospital, correct? No, this is when James reported in the... Um, correction center. Oh, okay. So this is... He goes to the doctor inside the jail. Uh, okay. okay. And says, hey, I'm having seizures. And then from there, the doctor, it's... They have to report to officers. They have to call him an ambulance. Okay. And Dr. Campbell is very clear that he did not give James any medication before he was taken to the hospital. Okay. James was regularly taking the following medications. Okay. He was taking cardizem, which is for high blood pressure. He was taking lisinopril, which is also for high blood pressure. And he was taking, I'm going to butcher this and I'm sorry, hydrochlorothorazide. Oh. Hmm. Close enough. Close enough. And and that's a diuretic for fluid retention. Okay. I, I guess that's commonly paired up with high blood pressure medications. Okay. Because fluid retention is normal for Makes them. sense. Yeah. One of the side effects of cardism is actually hallucinations. Oh. It's a, very, it's a very common side effect. And it's so common that James never reported hallucinations. And every single doctor thought this was weird. Yeah. They're like, they're like, we expect to see hallucinations. And we never once saw them in James. And James never reported one. Wow. Yeah, so either he's lucky or he just wasn't reporting. Well, yeah, because it's not like everyone is going to get the side effects. So maybe he was just one of the lucky ones that it didn't happen to. Yeah. When James arrived at the hospital, 
he was seen by a doctor who examined him for possible psychiatric issues Mm -hmm. because those are common in the aftermath of seizures. Sometime during this initial examination, the doctor said that James claimed he was hearing voices and that he expressed suspicious and paranoid ideas. Okay. So... Right away, this is weird to me because he's never had hallucinations before. No, but, but he's hearing voices. If he legitimately, like if he legitimately had a seizure, that could cause some kind of change in him where he's now hallucinating. I mean, I guess. So the, it, this doesn't seem super weird to me. Okay. And the doctor did the right thing. She actually recommended t- for him to be transferred to the psych ward for more examination. Good. The same doctor was actually dealing with him while he was in the psych ward. And in the appeal paperwork, it's uh, specifically noted that James was observed unscheduled and sporadically. So they didn't have like a go check on him every two hours or check on him at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. It was like it sounds like they just checked on him when they could. Yeah. Or when they remembered to. Yes. Okay. Or or there was a schedule to the madness, uh-huh. but they didn't tell James what it was. So it seemed uh, random to him. Okay. So she noted that James tended to have more symptoms when he knew he was being watched. If oh. he didn't know he was being watched, he didn't really have that many symptoms. Okay. So, Odd. Yeah. So when when people are around, he's he. okay, interesting. I I see you, James. Okay, All right. So he was actually discharged from the psych ward on April 1st, 2009. So he was in the hospital for almost a month. Well, and then there had to have been a good reason they kept him there for almost a month. But then they're not even checking on him a lot. I mean, they were checking on him a lot. They just they weren't doing it. So, like, when I say it's unscheduled, I'm... Are they trying to surprise them? Kind of, okay. yeah. Okay, okay. like, sometimes they're in the room. Sometimes it's, like, outside the room they're observing him. It's all kinds of, like, they're trying to... Get a handle on Get what, an idea yeah. of uh-huh. what's up with him. Okay. They diagnosed him with delirium, which is basically just, like, mild confusion. Yeah. And it just kind of goes away on its own. Yeah. So, they're... Uh, eventually, they were just like, yeah, you're not crazy. You're just kind of acting weird. Yeah. So just, you're just go back to jail. You're just a weirdo. The doctor, um, the psych doctor actually said that while he was under her care, she didn't know that he had confessed to a murder. Oh, they didn't tell her. You would think that would be in his like record or something. I don't think so. And I think that well, they kept it from her on purpose because actually that's classified information. Yeah, but wouldn't you think if you're there because you're monitoring somebody and for psychological issues that I'm sure somewhere in his file it would have been noted that patient is now saying, you know, that... Ex- except that it had nothing to do with him being admitted to psych. Well, he wasn't admitted because he confessed to a murder. He was admitted because... He got this psych evaluation because he had a seizure. Um, so the murder confession is kind of this side note. Oh, yeah, I and guess you're right. I think I think that they did not want the medical staff knowing because that might influence the way that they look at him. That's true. That's true. While this doctor was testifying on the stand, she said that it is actually really easy 
to fake having hallucinations. Uh, yeah. And she admitted that if someone, and this is, they had told her essentially like, so this guy confessed to murder. Would he have any reason to fake hallucinations? And she admitted that, yeah, you know, someone who was in that position might fake hallucinations uh, to try and convince people that the confession had been fake. But that would be a very specific hallucination for him to make that up. Do you know what I'm saying? Actually, actually, you know, what's interesting. I thought the same thing. But this doctor said that hallucinations tend to be very specific. They're very specific and they're elaborate. So like it's these big elaborate stories with all these details. But is it I thought was even of people that you actually know and real people? Really? Yeah. Huh. But but the story would have been really elaborate. And his his confession was just like very to the point. It was, I did this on this day to this woman in this place at this time. Okay. It wasn't like this person came here and then this happened. It, like, it wasn't this crazy story. It was just like a, but, 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 and like. Matter of fact. Yeah. Okay. And it it's just not consistent with how hallucinations are. Okay. So in the end, they actually asked her, like, do you think he was faking? And she was like, you know, in my professional opinion, I can't give you a conclusion one way or another, which is fair. Is, is James now saying he didn't do it or is he, is he, James was trying to say, so what I'll, I'll get to that after he, after the trial's over. So James did not testify on his own behalf. Okay. um, At the trial, Uh which, you know, every defense attorney, they always advise you not to do that. So he was just doing what he was told. The jury found him guilty of first degree murder, given all the circumstantial evidence and the testimony of the medical staff and his confession so that he they sentenced him to life without the possibility of parole. Whoa, James should have just kept his mouth shut. Yeah, I bet he's regretting it now. So there is um, this appeal that he filed I think this stuff is so interesting. I really like going through appeals because I think it's. Well, it's interesting what they come back and say after the fact, because in the Sean Stevenson case, um, he has been appealing like forever. And that was a confession too, uh, Mm -hmm. a direct confession to the police. And um, with all of this evidence, it's not like this case Uh, with James where there's just circumstantial evidence and then you know 10 years later he decides to confess so yeah it the the appeals are always so interesting because I don't know if it's that actual person saying okay now no I didn't do it or if it's their defense team like like trying to find a loophole yeah in their ear like we could go this way we could go that way we could try this i don't know because ultimately their job is to get the defendant off exactly but at some point you have to be like but i did it and like james he confessed and all of that evidence although i don't know they didn't have a lot of evidence i mean yeah it was convenient his car and all of that stuff and then his work day but i don't know if you don't have physical evidence yeah, and that was um, that is actually the first thing they argued. Oh, okay. Is they said that they did not have sufficient evidence, 
And basically, the statute they quoted, mm-hmm. they were like, um, yeah, it's it's the jury's job to say if there was sufficient evidence. And they said there was sufficient evidence. So, nope, you can't have that one. I'm honestly, and, after hearing this whole case, I'm kind of shocked that he even was found guilty in the first place. I mean, he gave this full out confession. Yeah, like, but like, was it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm still a little, I'm still surprised that James would even say anything after so many years, too. Right, and I think that's why that article was like he thought he was dying, and he thought that, and so many articles actually said this mm-hmm. that he he thought he was sick and dying and like at death's doorstep. I don't know why he felt this way because it seems like based on everyone's testimony, he seemed fine. Yeah, but it was just this. You know, he thought he was dying. He needed to clear his conscience, and then he got better. Well, and he was like, "Oh shit!" You jumped the gun, James. Jump yep. the gun. So the second point that they argued was um, that actually the defense attorney tried to suppress his confession. They said that it was made under duress, that he was not Mirandized, and that he was under the influence of medication. But just high blood pressure medication. Well, he wasn't on any medication that day. Like every medical record said he hadn't even taken his medication yet that day. So there was no medication he was on. Okay. The fact that he was saying he was uh, like coerced into it. The testimony of everyone present that day says that he asked the officers to come to him. They did not question him. He was like, hey, come here. I need to tell you something. So that actually also feeds into the Miranda issue. Okay. Because they're like, there's there's no burden for Mirandizing someone uh-huh. if they're not in custody. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in custody. He was being escorted on a medical trip. Yeah. So they were like, check, check, check. You don't get any of these. What's next? Yeah. Huh. They also tried to argue what they called a confrontation clause. And this is the... Um, people are going to yell at me. It's really late. It's past my bedtime, you guys, and I'm tired. <laughs> I'm sorry. One of the amendments say says that you have the right to confront your accuser. What? Yeah, you didn't know that? I had no idea. Yeah, so you, you have the right to um, confront someone that's either testifying against you, like, in person. Like, but in and the so- court still. Right? Yes. Okay. But did I'm surprised you didn't know this. It's I, one of the arguments people make about not paying traffic camera tickets. No, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. It's called a confrontation clause. Oh, is that that thing? Like, if you get a traffic ticket or it's a part of it, if you get a traffic ticket and the officer doesn't show up, you were essentially there to confront the officer to say, like, no, I did stop. Very similar, yes. And if the officer doesn't show up, you're off. Yeah, and uh-huh. essentially, like, um, if a camera catches you, like, you can't confront a camera. And so oh. some people are actually able to get off on their parking tickets oh. by arguing this. There's a very specific way you have to argue it. Yeah. But um, actually, there is a, um, a like, robo-lawyer online. It was designed by a teenager, I believe. And I haven't... 
I haven't thought about this in a long time, so I might have some of the finer details mm-hmm. wrong. But essentially, you give this robot like it's um, it's a website. You give it all the information about your ticket, mm-hmm. and it litigates for you. Oh my and gosh! And then it'll res- it'll respond and tell you whether your ticket was dismissed or not. Oh my gosh! These kids today, they're coming up yeah. with some. And it's so cool. Yeah, that is neat. I've never gotten a moving violation, so yeah, I've never been wood. able to use it. Yeah. But like, I it's always been in the back of my head. They're like, man, if I ever get a camera ticket, I need to use this thing. Yeah, the robo because lawyer. It wins really often. It wins like three out of out of every four cases. Nice. Yeah. So, according to this confrontation clause, the. There was an autopsy. There was a doctor that testified at the autopsy. And it was not the doctor that performed the autopsy on Joyce. Okay. So essentially, this um, Dr. Deering mm-hmm. was the one who testified. Dr. Buscholtz, Buscholtz? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was the one who performed the autopsy. Dr. Deering read the report that was written by Buchholz in court. Okay. So the defense attorneys were trying to argue that because Dr. Buchholz was not the one testifying, that it violated a confrontation clause. Oh, okay. That's weird. And the courts essentially said that, no, Dr. Deering is perfectly capable. He does autopsies. He's perfectly capable of reading an autopsy report and looking at the information and drawing conclusions based on that. Yeah. So, no. Okay. I'm So, I mean, just some of the stuff they're introducing is interesting. Gosh, and they keep just trying and trying and trying. Yeah. Hmm. Can I just make a side note? Probably not a yes. side note. So, James claims that he had sex with Joyce, right? Yes. So, but the but then in the autopsy or in the initial investigation, there wasn't any semen found inside or outside her body. Doctor Deering actually made a point to say that the fire, even though it hadn't really extensively burned her body, it may have destroyed semen evidence. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I guess that could happen, right? But then I wonder too, like, well, I guess they didn't have his I was going to say if they found accelerant on his clothing or the smell of it in the car well, they talked to him five days later yeah so that would have been all gone and I was thinking like yeah. the smell in the car but that because I'm assuming it was gasoline or something like that or lighter fluid or yeah. whatever and I mean he even admitted in his written statement that he had needed to get a can of gasoline that day so why wouldn't uh, his car smell like that's it? true that is true I forgot about that yeah yeah So actually, one more thing that the defense team tried to argue about this autopsy is that the fact that um, it was, again, the fact that it was presented by the technician who did not perform it. And they were trying to say that that evidence should not have been allowed at trial because essentially this guy is testifying based on hearsay. Yeah. The problem with that, that would have been completely valid at the time of the trial. If they had objected during the trial, they could have thrown out this autopsy report and this doctor. They did not object during the trial. So this got upheld. Well, that's not good for them. He's still he's 
sitting in jail. He's okay, rotting good. away. Yeah. I actually found this mm-hmm. on uh, one of those like cracked articles. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, crazy things. And it was um, the fact that this guy confessed to a murder on his deathbed and then survived. <laughs> yeah. And so like. Yeah. Sorry, James. <laughs> that would be yeah. like. Like, that would be the I worst. I mean, I'm glad it happened. <laughs> yes. Because ultimately, like, justice was found for Joyce. Yeah. It's very nice. Yes. Good for her family. Mm-hmm. Police thought it was him all along. So yeah. this is just, like, the- closing up something on their books. Exactly. It's great for them. It's great for Joyce's family. It's good for everyone. Do we know anything more about Joyce? Like, how old she was? Or if... No. no? Okay. Because the only place that I could find information on the original cl- uh-huh. crime was in the appeals paperwork. Okay. Okay. Because they go over the whole, like, all that information about the crime, the day of um, witnesses coming forward, that was all in the appeal. Okay. I could not find a single, I mean, it was hard for me to even find that. Like, everything, when I looked up information about Joyce and about James, all of it came back with this guy confessed and on his deathbed and now he's... Mm -hmm sentenced to life like it, it was hard for me to find stuff about joy well then you know what now i've changed my mind good for mr smothers and his 16 year old son for stopping because if you think about it had they not it could have just yeah right burned out i guess because it doesn't sound like it was like a uh the it was in flames but it could have just burned out and then nobody would have checked on it maybe yeah i don't know and I mean, they may never have found anything. That woman would have never come forward and said she saw yeah. that Camaro. Yeah. And I think everything just kind of happened perfectly. Yeah. So, I mean, it took 14 years for them to be able to convict yeah. the guy, but they were able to convict the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, thank you. That was a, a great story. So, yeah. I, I thought I should do a shorter one yeah. this week because my last one was a two-parter and it took the life out of me. But um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah. Thank you, Crystal. That was a great oh. story. Thank you. Yes. Um, keep sharing us with your friends. Yes, please. Um, thank you so much for sharing us. Thanks so much for listening. Yes. I enjoy having all of you here. Kat enjoys having all of you yes, here. Yes, I do. I'm speaking on her behalf. You are. <laughs> but it is the correct behalf. Is that a word? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm tired too. <laughs> it is now. I know. It's late. It is. Um, like, subscribe. Please. Please give us more five-star reviews on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. Yes. It helps us. Um, it helps our visibility. And if you could leave nice reviews, I would appreciate that too. Because, you know, the ratings help, but the reviews are even better. Yes. Um, connect with us on my, MySpace. My- <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> No, you can Instagram connect with Facebook. Crystal on her MySpace. <laughs> I never had a MySpace. Yeah, I was going to say you're a little too young for that. You were like, what, three? No, no, I just wasn't allowed oh, to. Okay. <laughs> All my friends had MySpace. I did not. Yeah, do not connect with us on MySpace because we don't, they, it's not there. Well, we aren't going to be there. Um, <laughs> Instagram, please connect with us on Instagram. You can email us at alternative interests podcast at gmail.com and please share Uh, you can check out um we are actually bringing actually this is good business we are bringing bringing a blog writer on board and she is going to start working on our website for us to get us all caught up it's going to be great i'm excited for her 
Um, I won't announce her name just yet, but probably next episode. Okay. Um, yeah. Sounds good. Um, should I? Should I share? I will I mean, share. I can share. Um, actually, one of our next episodes, Jane is coming back, and she's going to be talking about a popular case that many people know, and it's absolutely insane. I fell into a rabbit hole researching it today. It's going to be great. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I before I became cat I uh I listened to the episode the Elisa Lamb episode I think that Jane did and yeah. uh, I loved it so I'm excited yeah yeah so be, be excited for that it's gonna be great um we'll see you next yes. time guys okay bye bye